Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. this morning thought that I was uh, Pastor Drennan and had already accepted the call. Uh, no, no, I am who Pastor Carl said I am. And it's always a pleasure to visit with you people. We've been here, Emily and I have been here many times sitting in the chairs with you. And so it's good to be here again, visiting the Favreau family and also you, you folks as well. Uh, I did meet uh, Pastor Roger and Katrina last night. And uh, I was sort of impressed with them, and I think they are impressed with this congregation. So that's a hopeful sign. Hey, you know, but God's will will be done, and we will rest secure in that. So let's begin with prayer again this morning. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Christ, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are lots of reasons why people do not believe in God. One reason, unfortunately, is the hypocrisy of us believers. Now, uh, sometimes we just don't practice what we preach, and when our walk does not match our talk, well, that does place a stumbling block in the path of our witness. But hey, uh, nobody is 100% in doing exactly what he says. However, we Christians are held to a higher standard by the secular world. Uh, there are intellectual reasons why people don't believe and reject the whole idea of God. Some people just don't see any hard scientific evidence of God. 
as if all of reality uh, is accessible to scientific uh, investigation, but it isn't. The spiritual world is real too and experienced by people, but not available to be tested in a lab or looked at through a telescope or a microscope. Oh, and there are also moral, or I should say immoral reasons for disbelieving. Many people just don't want God or anybody else looking over their shoulder and telling them what to do. Uh, you know, what they say is, look, if I want to live a life that you judgmental Christians think is uh, immoral, that's my business, thank you, so keep your nose in your own business. And so a lot of people reject God because of that reason. But, you know, probably the, the most common, the biggest reason for unbelief and rejecting God, I would say, is emotional. You know, people look at all the awful suffering in the world, and there certainly is a lot of it, all this terrible suffering in the world, and wonder how a loving God can allow all that mess. Good question. Maybe you've asked it the number of times. Well, I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of everything that God does, but I think what we have to consider is that God allows it because he did not create robots programmed to do exactly what he wants us to do. <laughs> no, he created us like himself. In other words, free to make our own decisions, our own voluntary choices in life. And we have to admit that some of our choices are awful. We can goof up big time and the consequences can be untold suffering. Uh, we suffer from uh, the whole world, in fact, not just ourselves, but the whole creation suffers from uh, our human sins of commission and omission, the evil we do and the good we fail to do. If you were God, just think about it for a moment. If you were God, what would you do? How would you handle this whole question of all the suffering in the world? Would you create robots programmed to just do your every bidding? Boy, wouldn't that be nice when our kids are uh, acting out of control. <laughs> you know, when our kids are driving us crazy, I guess sometimes we like to have them programmed. But no, no, we want and do what God wants and does. We teach and nurture our children with all the love and wisdom we can muster. And then we realize that uh, they are going to grow up and make their own choices in life. And some of those choices are going to really put them at great risk. There's lots of risk involved in being kind of a free agent to do what we would like to do. Well, God took that risk. When he created us like himself in his image to love, to act, to choose freedom. But the story doesn't end there, fortunately. With the freedom to sin, God has also provided a way of redemption from sin. And if we would only look, there are immense, there is immense evidence that God has indeed great love and care for us. Amidst all the suffering in the world, and despite our own personal tragedies, 
there is powerful evidence of God's love for each of us, a, the kind of love that can lead us through suffering and pain to abundant joy. It's all part of the big picture, most of which we do not see now, but someday we will see and we will understand perfectly, as Paul said in one of his letters. Well, but in the meantime, how do I know, you know, for sure? What can, what could convince me that I personally really matter to God? Well, let me give you five powerful reasons, five proofs of God's love for you that, that you can share with others because this question comes up quite a bit. How do I know God loves me? Well, I know God loves me, first of all, just simply from the fact that he made me. Psalm 145, the Lord has compassion on all he has made. Oh, God made you to love you. Why do you think he made you to love you? Uh, God has never made a person he does not love. No exceptions. I want you to think for a moment of some person you don't like. I mean, somebody really annoying, somebody, you know, maybe you detest. And ask yourself, God loves that person? Well, yes, he does. Now, to some of you, that may seem improbable or irritating, but he does. Psalm 103. God is like a father to us, tender and sympathetic. He knows that we are but dust, you know, dirt bags much of the time. But he is tender and merciful for those who don't deserve it, writes the psalmist. And when you think about it, let's just think for a moment about being a parent. You know, how many of you are parents? Well, you know, probably most of you are parents and grandparents. Well, how many of you thought that when um, you have children, your kids were going to be perfect? I mean, they were just going to be really terrific. It's going to be all terrific. Well, rude awakening. Now, it didn't take you long to find out some of the realities involved in parenthood, you know. Uh, when God created you, on the other hand, he, he, he wasn't naive about what was going to happen. He knew every sin we'd commit, every stupid decision, every dumb thing we'd do, every hurtful, harmful, hateful thing we'd do, and still he made us. We, too, have kids as parents to pour our love into. And when you think about it, kids are messy, expensive. Babies burp at both ends. When they get a little bigger, they start breaking things. They uh, take up all of your time and leave you exhausted. And when they get older, they take our money they drive our cars, they smash them, they get into trouble, but still we love them. Well, what is it? Are we crazy or something? No, we are parents, we understand that. See, God put into us a capacity to love. He made us like himself, and that includes a capacity to love. And when you're capable of loving, you want to have somebody to love. Well, so does God. You wanna know why you're here on earth? You were made, each of you was made specifically to be the object of God's love. There's no other reason. And if you are a parent, then you can understand that. It makes perfectly good sense to you. You know, I know that God loves me because, secondly, he notices every detail of my life. Matthew 10, 
God even knows how many hairs are on your head. You know, in the Psalms, there's this description of how God knows all the intricacies of how we were knit together in our mother's womb. You know, God is intimately interested in every aspect and every detail of your life. He's interested in you when you're happy or sad. It doesn't make a difference, good or bad. He still loves you and uh, succeed or fail when you're down, depressed, discouraged, messing up big time and least deserve his loving attention. Still, he loves you. Why? Because you are his own dear child. As a parent, I understand that. You understand that. I'm keenly interested in my kids and everything that is going on in their lives. Why is that? Well, if you care, you'll be aware. You know, some of you are going through a tough time right now. Well, God is acutely aware of that. I mean, he has all kinds of plans put into to motion for you. He's not asleep at the switch. He cares and is aware because he loves you. And he can orchestrate for you ways through all of your difficulties. There are limits to what we earthly parents can do, but there's no limit to what your heavenly father can do for you. I know God loves me because thirdly, he gave me a capacity for pleasure. See, pleasure is not just for heaven. God gave you a pair of eyes and then you fill the world with color. Why? Well, just for your pleasure. He wants you to enjoy life just like we want our children to enjoy life. What is the purpose of color? Well, God could have created the whole world to look like Gary, Indiana, or Saginaw, Michigan in February. Black, white, and muddy. But fortunately, that's only uh, February. There are the seasons. Yeah, instead, God created this beautiful technicolor world. And in the fall, we get to see some extra colors, canyons and vistas, mountains and forests, oceans and streams, flowers and snowflakes, sunrises and sunsets, gardens and galaxies, breathtaking beauty all around us. God gave us a pair of ears. And then he created many different kinds of sounds that are pleasing to the ear. We call it music. Yeah, beautiful music stirs our emotions and gives wings to beautiful, inspiring thoughts and to God's word. Luther particularly called music a handmaid, one of the chief handmaidens of God's word. God could have made us to hear just one sound like some animals that the bummer wouldn't know. He wanted us to really enjoy all the sounds around us. God created our taste buds and filled the world with flavor. I don't know, cinnamon buns, uh, salsa, roast beef, strawberries, whatever tickles your taste. There's just wide cuisine of, uh, of all kinds of delicious foods that we can enjoy. Suppose he had made our bodies to, um, to run on grass. Ah, you know, no, he enjoys watching you enjoy life. Uh, God could have made us like worms and eat only dirt. Well, that would be a bummer too. But no, he didn't do that. He created us all of these wonderful tastes for us to enjoy. First uh, Timothy 6, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, isn't it true? Don't you enjoy watching your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves? Well, so does God. 
You know, this verse in 1 Timothy and in many other verses in the Bible explodes one of the greatest myths about Christianity out there, especially out there in the world. You know, people think that if they commit their life to Christ and get this, you know, really pious and religious, that uh, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll lose most of the fun in life and it will be both burdensome and boring. Well, the fact is the world has sold us a lot. You know, namely that to be good is to be deprived of fun and to be bad is to have fun. It's a terrible lie and it's just the opposite. And there's just so many people who uh, go that route and find out what a, a deep pit they finally find themselves in. Yeah, and it's true that most people are looking for fun in all the wrong places. I don't know, like winning the lottery ticket and all the toys and exotic experiences that money can buy. It's so sad to see people searching for hope and happiness in the things that are so shallow, temporary, dangerous even. And psychologists, just about every psychologist I've ever read or ever known has said that what most people think will make them happy actually makes them more unhappy, like buying things they can't afford. Or people think, if I win the lottery, boy, that's gonna be nirvana, you know, that's gonna be heaven. Well, when they've been followed up a year or two later, most of them are more unhappy as a result of winning the lottery. Some of you are sitting there thinking, yeah, but I'd like to give it a try and see if that, uh, <laughs> that might be okay for me. Well, I, I think I can assure you that if you have not won, even if you buy the tickets, and if you have not won the lottery, it's because God doesn't want you to love it. To, to win the lottery, and it's because he's looking out for you, and he knows that it probably would be a disaster for you. So rest assured, if you didn't win the lottery, that's the best thing that could have happened to you. You see, real pleasure is to be uh, found in the simple things. Did you know that Jesus spoke more about happiness than he did about heaven? You know, because he wants you to be happy. Now, being happy is not the opposite of being holy. They can go together. Real pleasure is found in those simple things provided by God and mainly in the quality of our relationships. And if anybody can teach us about how to have a healthy, quality, pleasurable relationship, it is God. He created us to enjoy life and it's only when we choose to sin that that gets messed up. I know God loves me because, fourthly, he has good plans for my life. God always wants the best for your life. Notice the passage in Jeremiah 29. It turns out to be my grandson's uh, confirmation verse. I have good plans. God is speaking to people in exile, and they're all crying and moaning about being in exile. And God said, hey, no, wait, wait a minute. Look, I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a future. God knows what will make you happy better than you. He ought to know he's the creator. He wrote the owner's manual. The problem is what we think will make us happy is often different from what God knows will make us happy. Foolishly, when we follow our own desires rather than God's wisdom, we then suffer all kinds of negative consequences and wonder why. Well, the cake of life does not turn out well when we don't follow the master's recipe. But when we do follow it, oh boy, what a difference that makes. 
If we go against the grain of the universe, God's universe, guess what? We get immense splinters. Trust me, he has a good plan for my life and your life. He made you for a purpose and laid out wise principles to live by, all spelled out in his word, and that's why it's so important that we get immersed in his word. You know, we go to a lot of uh, effort and time spent in learning how to do a trade or, or get educated for some kind of profession, with all the work that goes into figuring out things like that, or just all the work that goes into figuring out how computers work and so forth. Well, life deserves some effort and learning on our part, and that's why God has given us this manual, this, the, the directions on the package of life. Notice this verse in John chapter 10. Jesus says, I came to give life, life in all its fullness, I am the good shepherd. The smart sheep follow the good shepherd. I know God loves me because most of all, fifthly and finally, <coughs> he sent Jesus Christ to die for me and forgive me. Oh boy, thank God he has done that. This is the ultimate proof of God's love, isn't it? Yeah, this is what we focus on and celebrate every Sunday when we come to church, every Saturday or Sunday when we come to church. Listen to Romans 5. God proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, Christ hanging on that awful cross and dying that agonizing death is a window in history that allows us to look into the very heart of God and see a love so amazing, so profound, that he was willing to pay any price, make any sacrifice in order to save us when we least deserve it. I think a big reason people just don't know God is because of either guilt They've done bad stuff and they think I'll throw mad at them. Or indifference. You know, don't you stay away from people who you think don't like you and have judged you negatively? You avoid people like that, don't you? Well, I do too. And, uh, and on the other hand, we don't bother to cultivate a close relationship with people about whom we feel rather indifferent. You know, so what's been keeping you or somebody you know from a closer, more intimate, more rewarding relationship with God? Well, why do you want to get closer to God? Well, you see, I mean, it, it works this way in any friendship or relationship. The closer we are to God, the more we enjoy the benefits of His, of His presence. Isn't that true? The closer you are to somebody, the more you can benefit one another. And the closer we get to God, the more we benefit from his many blessings because we're open to them and desire them. Uh, some people were close to God in the past and, and uh, drifted away. You know, they, they were living under his grace and by his precepts, and then for some reason or other they got distracted and drifted away. But if there's any relationship we don't want to neglect or take for granted, it's our relationship with God. You know, he is our best and most powerful friend. 
by infinitely more than anyone else. So why wouldn't we take advantage of having this super powerful friend who loves us more than we could possibly know? Oh. You know, there are people who are married, live in the same house, but for some reason or other become strangers, virtual strangers to each other. Folks, we don't want to let that happen to us in Jesus. You know, we can go to church a lot and still feel distant from him. Oh, but there's never been a time in your life when God stopped loving you or anybody who's drifted away. He's never, never loved you any more than he loves you now and he's never loved you any less because his love for you is not based on your performance or your pedigree. It's based on the fact that God is love. It's his nature to love, period. The Apostle Paul's most passionate wish for us is expressed in one of the most beautiful prayers in Ephesians chapter three. This is what he prayed. Paul says, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love and may you be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long and wide, how deep and high his love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves, though it is so great that you'll never see the end of it. And so at last, you will be filled up with God himself. Those four dimensions mentioned by Paul high and wide, long and deep, are simply the four dimensions of the cross, aren't they? Which is the ultimate expression of God's love. If I were to go home this morning and uh, kneel down in front of Emily, my wife, then look her in the eye and say, honey, I love you with all my heart. You are the most important and the most precious, more important and more precious than anything or anyone else in the whole world. I cherish you and dedicate my life to making you happy and fulfilled. If I said that to my wife and sincerely meant it, don't you think it would be rather weird if she said, oh, really, that's nice. Excuse me, I'm watching television right now. Man, yeah. wouldn't that be crazy? She wouldn't do that. And yet a lot of, a lot of us treat God that way. You know, uh, we come to church and, and uh, we hear, listen, man, woman, you matter immensely to God. He loves you and cares for you and paid the supreme price for your, your salvation and a glorious future. You know, he, is, uh, he has an infallible plan for you to bless you now, right now, and forever. And then they walk out of here thinking, uh, oh, really, that's nice, what's for dinner? And they miss the very reason they were created. 
I've caught myself doing that from time to time, you know, coming to church, going through the motion, and it all just kind of bounces off me and doesn't make too much of an impression at all. But don't do that. Don't do it. Let his love wash over you and win you and warm you and fill you with a great love for him and for one another. St. John writes, dear friends, since God loves us that much, surely we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, says John, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. God bless you when you go home today with his love and amazing grace growing deep in your heart. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening. <music>